everyone. Welcome to the Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. Welcome to another episode. I'm so grateful that you're here. And uh, if you're new to the show, episodes drop every Wednesday morning. And uh, today's episode is going to be really fun. This one's a little bit more personal. Uh, We've got Andrea Donnelly joining us. And Andrea actually gave me an Akashic Records reading and kind of a clarity call before we did this podcast together. So we spent an hour together just kind of unraveling you know, my soul's journey, I guess, for lack of a better term. And it was very validating for me and very encouraging and uh, very heart opening. So I'm excited that she's here. And I think you'll be able to feel her energy through this conversation. And I'll tell you a little bit more about her as well. She is a New England-based celestial mentor, angelic channel, intuitive sound and energy healer, and she spent many years studying Reiki and herbal medicines and flower essences. And uh, she really got into studying healing because she went through years of debilitating back pain and struggles with anxiety, depression, PTSD, and she was even on short-term disability and uh, had spine surgery in 2018. So that really kind of catapulted her into this this work and this healing work. So she uses light codes and energy healing and crystal bowls and song and intuitive coaching to help remove intergenerational trauma and illness and fear and pain um, that come along with this human experience. And uh, she really helps her clients find grace and clarity and understanding of their life purpose and uh, how to achieve greater success and have more ease in life. And she's really healed herself using these methods um, that she's going to share with us today. So this is a really nice, chill conversation, and uh, I think you guys will get a lot out of it. So in the meantime, while you're listening, you can find her on Instagram at Witchery, <laughs> and I'm at Helen Denham underscore. So let us know what you think as you listen. And as always, if you feel like a buddy might benefit from this information, send it along. Um, all right. I think that's it for me. I will talk to you on the flip side. The first question I always love to ask guests is how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to? I do. Um, I am not a morning person. So a morning routine has always, I've always done like a morning routine, but then I also often end up meditating in the evenings just because my entire, it's funny, my brother and I were just talking about this the other day. Um, On my mom's side, everyone, including my grandmother, you know, all of her siblings, like we were all real night owls. And so I've always found a lot of like joy and pleasure and I often do a nightly routine where I actually go outside under the cloak of moonlight and put my feet on the bare ground and just really bond with the moon and the stars and the sky and the intergalactism and my family in that way. And um, I'll tell you a funny story, which is I live in New England and um, things are very close together in New England, as as you know. And um, I was out on so in the backyard of our house um 
we feed the birds and there is a very vibrant nightlife going on back there. There are raccoons, there are possums, there's a whole rabbits, there's all kinds of stuff. So when I do this here now at the house I live in, I usually go to the front, but the front is very open. So last week I was out there and I was doing my moon dance as it were, it was around midnight and I was laying in the grass <laughs> And I had like a full red lip on and this really dramatic black dress. And I was laying in the grass in the front of my house. And I heard someone coming. They were walking a dog. And they started to walk past me. And then the, the guy who was walking the dog hadn't seen me, but his dog had seen me. <laughs> and his dog was like really excited because I'm an animal person. You know, the dog knew. And so the dog started to like shift his direction a little and and the man said something to his dog but i thought he saw me and said something to me so i just kind of like turned my head and i was like oh hi without even thinking about ultra weird i was being like laying in the grass in the middle of the night you know um so that's part of it um i also um, like to go on walks under the moonlight. For me, those are super grounding and really meditative and actually help me get set. Like it's, it's kind of like, you know, the, the late morning routine as it were to help prep me for the morning. Um, and then when I wake up, the first thing I do, and I've learned to do this over the years because um, I know you understand this because you're so profoundly empathetic and you really like pick up on other people's needs and feelings. Um, one of the first things I do when I wake up is um, very clearly release anything that's not mine. Mm -hmm. So I release anything that's not mine. I, I tend to um, ground myself deeply. And then I ask my whole team to, um, to, to show me essentially what I need to do over the course of the day, what will serve my highest good, and also what will serve my business's highest good. So I like to do that. Um, and I also have a remarkable guided breathwork session that um, one of my friends and colleagues, whose name is Elise Bassine, who does awesome breath work. She did a personalized session for me and I have worked that into my morning routine because it just helps to really ground me in what I'm doing. Oh, beautiful. I love that you're talking about the nighttime routine, especially because I've always been the same way. I love to do my whole kind of unwinding, all of my spiritual grounding practices at night. And I've always felt a little guilty about that because we live in a society that's like, get up at 5am to be successful. And I've never been that way either. So I love that. And I think more people need to see each other lying in the grass looking at the moon. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's wonderful. And um, <laughs> I love that. And I especially appreciate that you're starting your risings with such intention. Um, because it can be so easy for us to just like, jump right into the day and kind of have this, this pace that's not fully you know, aware of our surroundings yet. So that's beautiful. And yeah. um, we had the chance to do a really lovely session together before um, this podcast chat. So I will have kind of given a little introduction about who you are and what your work is like, but I would love to know how you got into Akashic Records and reading for people and connecting with spirit and being a channel. Like what has your spiritual journey looked like, essentially? I know that's a big question. 
No, it's an, it's a big question. It's a beautiful question. My journey has been singular and bananas and funny and hard and all of it. And, um, so I was born remembering and that is both wonderful and it's super complicated because right most people don't remember their connection to spirit and so from the time i have memories i always i always prayed and talked to god like i always had this very deep internal narrative with my guide like what i came to understand to be my guides and my team and um i I was never, even when I was a little kid from the time, literally when I was in the hospital after I was born, the nurses commented on the fact that I just, they, I was, I slept less than any baby they had ever seen. And that is impactful because what was happening essentially for me from the time that I incarnated is that, and there are other people who do something similar, but the, 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 light that I, I hold, I volunteered. <laughs> Sir, that was <laughs> whatever, you know, I volunteered in spirit to be incarnated now and to hold a really singular type of energy and connection to other dimensions and to the intergalactic realms and to the fairies and the angels. And this light that I hold has always made it so like that was really my main focus. I never slept during nursery school. I never slept during kindergarten. I don't think I even fell asleep once during kindergarten. And the reason I bring all this up is because I don't know if you, um, my guess is you've probably heard this narrative, but when, um, when children are born into the Buddhist tradition who are the reincarnations of, you know, ascended beings they're trained from the time they're little and i realized after the fact that part of my whole thing of holding that energy and not sleeping was that i was literally learning to meditate from the time i was in preschool because i'll tell you something nobody wants the kid who can't sleep to bother them during the time when everyone else is you know like that's the time when the teacher gets to have a break and like eat the food and drink the water and, you know, all at regroup. And so I was always very hyper aware of other people and their needs. And I was like, oh, like, if I'm not going to participate in the sleeping part of it, then I have to lay here quietly and still. And so I basically started meditating in preschool. And um, I think I might have mentioned this when we were in our session, but when I was five or six years old, um, there was a Sesame Street movie that got released where Big Bird ends up trapped in the Met, and he ends up meeting um, an Egyptian prince who's like in some capacity trapped in the Met himself, and he teaches Big Bird that in order to move forward when you're done with the life that you're currently in, the ultimate goal that enables you to keep with that forward motion is to always keep your heart as light as a feather. And when I watched that movie, I was very clearly shown by my team that that was the point of my entire life was that no matter they, my guides literally said to me in that moment, whatever happens to you, no matter what happens to you, you have to keep your heart as light as a feather. And 
And I just, yeah, I just always knew I could always talk to animals. I could always read. I could always tell like everything about people. I could just like immediately upon meeting people, one of my gifts is that I can like see people's purest potential and I can see all this stuff about them too. Like I don't necessarily, I like to focus on the purest potential, but the other thing is I can see like a lot of hard truths about people that perhaps, especially when you're a small child and you're super clear cognizant, you know, adults don't always want to know a lot of stuff about themselves from a precocious, you know, yappy five-year-old who's simply trying to help. But I also, as part of that journey, learned pretty quickly that actually I needed, that the way that I related to the world was super different than the way that other people related to the world. And that actually in this world, you know, people want to know how, why do you know that? How do you know that? Da, 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 you know, and also children are not given a lot of credit in terms of like what it is that they're bringing to the table. Um, mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I started a, a journey really young and then um, I learned, I had a lot of anxiety course because I was like constantly like reading everything around me, everyone, situations, all of it. And um, I was in a pilot program when I was a senior in high school at UMass Medical School, which is near where I grew up. And John Kabat-Zinn, who really helped to bring the concept of meditation into the Western medical narrative, especially <clears throat> he's a medical doctor and he did his research at UMass Medical School. So they had been teaching meditation to people through this center. And, um, and I got enrolled in this pilot program where they were teaching people how to tap into meditation to, um, to help to, manage anxiety naturally and it was it was me and a lot of grown-ups and <laughs> you know it was it was funny because um it was one of the first times where i started to like connect to the fact to that to that timeline of how like i was technically learning how to do this thing that i had actually always been doing um, and always been essentially in training to get to this point. A couple years later, over my spring break in college, I flew to a suburb of Austin, Texas, to learn how to do um, the flower of life meditation, which is a kind of meditation that was channeled, invented, what have you, by one of my greatest teachers and sources of remembrance in this life, um, a man named Drunvalo Melchizedek, who is just like oh and i have had the good i mean i have had the so he didn't teach me the flower that that workshop was led by one of his facilitators but a couple months later i graduated and i actually got to do an in-person training with him that was like four days long or something at omega institute so I was always precocious and, and like really ahead of the curve in a lot of ways. I went to a hyper logical, very intellectual college. I went to Wesleyan University. There were things about it that I really, really loved, but you know, the, the rub of a place like that is that spiritual stuff is not is not understood or accepted and so i was always really living a different path than other people in this way and um 
Yeah, I've actually, I've been able, I, a couple years after that, I did another workshop with him in Arizona. And I just, I mean, he is, he, he's groundbreaking. Oh my gosh. I have, I kind of forgot about him. I haven't uh, looked at his work for years and you just gave me like shivers. I was like, oh my God, he was a major catalyst for my awakening yes. as well. Mm -hmm. Isn't, you know what, Helen, I'm somehow so deeply unsurprised by this. And it's <laughs> funny that didn't come up in the session because he is, I almost always talk about him um, for people. And it's funny because clearly the reason I didn't bring him up when we met is because you already, you already know about his work, which is yeah. really magical. Um, oh, well, I'm so grateful you did because I just yeah. wrote his name down, Drunvalo Malchizedek to, to yep. look up again. I He's, remember him like, talking about solar flares and just like completely blowing my mind with uh, the cosmos and, and how connected we are. Yeah. He just knows about everything. He's such a crazy channel and he has this ability for anyone who's not familiar with his work. He, um, the type of meditation, the flower of life meditation was such a profound experience for me to learn because it integrates a lot of different things into one hyper powerful meditation. It's a Merkaba activation, it's breath work, it's mudras, and it is, and it also involves these really wild eye motions that help to stimulate the pineal gland. So like you learn how to do all of these things and it takes some time to really synthesize it. Like it took, I was, it's clumsy when you first start to learn it because you're like, okay, it's, you know, 17 breaths and I'm trying to like breathe simultaneously and keep my fingers in the right position and, you know, move my eyes and everything. Um, but it really, it really, really, really helped me to, um, to remember and to, and to start to reconnect in a really big way to my intergalactic family, even if I didn't understand that that's what was happening at the time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I really appreciate that you're talking about your, your learnings and your teachings and who you're studying with, because I think so many people come into this work or they start to get curious about it, but they're like, oh, I'm not really capable of that, or it doesn't come innately to me. But I think what's important to understand is that it, it does take curiosity and attention and dedication to the work and you know, integrating those daily meditations and just getting more and more curious. And, and I love that you're brand, I guess, is essentially we are here to remember uh, because it's almost not so much an awakening as a remembering and an unpeeling and an unraveling of everything that we've been conditioned to believe, which is, which is so fascinating and beautiful to me. Um, so I'm also curious to know, I'm, I'm still kind of getting used to communicating with guides and I've really tried to connect with them more in dream work and through plant medicine. Um, but I, I still think I have a little bit of a ways to go, but how can you help us wrap our minds around our spirit team and, and who is with us and what is going on there and how can we connect with, with our team? Yeah, that's a, such a good question. And it's so important because I feel like it's honestly, no matter what anyone thinks about what they are supposed to be doing right now, connecting to your spiritual capacity, your heart and expanding in that way is honest to goodness going to be what saves us. Mm -hmm. And we are in so much collective, planetary, individual, just tumult, right? It's like so, there's so much happening. There's so much chaos. There's 
We are literally watching the fabric of society in every way, the financial system, the education system, the healthcare system, all of these systems, the religion, all of these systems that we were told from the time we were born, right? That like we always had to look outside of ourselves to these governance boards, if you will. And, and not even like if you even, <clears throat> In addition to, you know, the religion and the government and all of that, it's like we've also been told and trained from the time we were young that we need to get permission and approval from teachers and our parents. And, and you know, we have to try to do things to make other people feel comfortable all the time. And, and so I feel like one of the biggest things that I'm able to do for people is, um, is really quickly connect and ground people and align them into a much deeper level of trust and a much deeper level of even being able to like hear the messages that are happening around them because we're not all intuitive in the same way, but we all are so intuitive. And for a lot of us, it honestly just takes like the willingness of saying, I want to do this. I want to learn. And I always like to say to my clients, like, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know about yourself. Because I can see people's brightest potential and their highest timeline, I am able to also like clear away. I like to say that like your pain is your gold. And I had to live through a wild amount of chaos and trauma to essentially keep an open heart and be able to really relate to anybody. Mm. And, and it worked. It was, I've led a very wild, <laughs> wild, confusing life that, you know, to the, to the external viewer, um, perhaps did not look like I was quote unquote, like living up to my potential as it were. Um, but I always just knew I was also always told by every person who ever read for me, whether it was an astrologer or a psychic, they all always said the thing that I also always heard in my own prayers, um, which is that at about the age I am now, that my mission was going to be activated and that I was going to essentially invent a new healing modality and that even though I had no idea what that meant or what that looked like, that it truly didn't matter and that the second that it was the time for the, for the activation that basically all I was doing leading up to that point was, was studying and remembering and honing my skill set, And, you know, I could have just been cool with that and been like, oh, that's great. Like, <laughs> I'll just be easy. I, I will, you know, that, you know, someday this will start. To, and there was a part of me that did that, but you know, there was also the 3d part of me that was like, sort of forever frustrated in a lot of ways by the lack of success that I was embodying. Um, and so I think that also ties into my ability to really like help people trust, right? It helps to, to legitimize what other people are going through. And it just helps to really make what is a really huge, profound thing to take the deep dive and do the spiritual journey. It helps to really make it relatable, I think. I'm not going to pretend that that this is easy, that like being in a human body is easy. You know, you're not, I'm not, I'm very irreverent. Like I'm very much like 
do what you need to do to make yourself happy. And so I think that also helps to just like set people at ease as they embark on this journey because it's like, my life's not perfect. While you're in a human body, no matter how spiritually powerful you are, you're still dealing with human-ish, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so t totally. I love what you're, what you're touching on here. What I really picked up on too was that uh, to connect with your guides and to really tune into that, you, you pay closer attention and it's like you choose to see that. And it reminds me, I think Abraham Hicks teachings say this a lot. It's like switching your frequency from AM to FM, for example. It's like a choice that you make and we can build that skill to raise our vibration. And I love to just empower people to know that like where you are now is not necessarily what it's always going to be. We can choose to upgrade and we can, you know, delve into these practices that help us switch into that frequency. So are there some particular practices that you go to when you're like, I need to connect with my team. I'd love to just open up this portal. Like how can you encourage us and help us all to understand how we can do that for ourselves as well to open up that line of communication? I really encourage people to, um, to find the type of meditation or prayer practice um, that resonates with them. I think one of the things that happens so much, especially when people are first like starting to ease into a spiritual journey, is that they find someone that they like, that there is a teacher. And then you know, people start to like judge themselves or compare themselves. And they're like, well, I'm not, you know, like I don't hear things from my guides or I'm not like an olfactory psychic. I don't like, that's not everybody's gift. And so I think what's really, really important when you start the spiritual journey is that you are really forgiving of yourself, really gentle, and you lean into what works for you. So we're very much at a point now in human history where we have to stop looking so much outside of ourselves and we have to stop comparing ourselves to other people. So like maybe someone listening is going to take that deep dive into the spiritual journey and find that doing the, you know, sort of platonic ideal quintessential thing that we all imagine when we think of meditation of someone sitting like cross-leggedly, like quietly with mudras, that's amazing. But like, maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe what works for you is going for a barefoot walk under the moonlight. Maybe what works for you is you know, meditative cooking. And so I think that that's also part of it is, is tapping in and like, maybe you feel things. Like, I think that's a really big part for a lot of my clients is me helping them reframe things so that they understand that they are actually getting messages that it's just not necessarily what they have like crafted in their mind to be the message. Because again, there are so many different psychic capacities we have you know we have like all of these different ways and so in so many ways the only thing i'm like helping people with is reminding people to listen to themselves so um i feel like for most people to start to just do like anything trying to carve out like five minutes of quiet mm -hmm. a day whether it's in the morning or the evening um I also feel like my simplest, best advice that I can give anyone looking to embark on a spiritual journey is to get a plant, if you don't already have one, um, and start feeding the birds. Aww. Even if people live in the city, you know, you can 
There are so many different ways, even if it's just like a tiny bird feeder on the outside of your only window, like there are just ways that the natural world at this point, we have fallen so deeply out of what we were all born to do, which was steward this earth. And she is our true mother, Mother Earth. And if we can spend that time just being quiet, even if it's only for like five minutes a day and just start to listen, things are just going to shift. Hey there, just popping in for a second to tell you about my new offering, Cultivating Confidence. This is an online self-mastery course that I've been developing over the last few months, but I honestly feel like I've been working on this for my entire life. <laughs> and I'm so happy and I'm so grateful to be at a point now where I'm really able to share this with the women in my community. So it's an online go-at-your-own-pace course with eight modules, and it includes EFT tapping, guided visualization meditations, affirmations, transformational workbook prompts, goal setting, developing a daily practice, and so much more good stuff. I've really included actionable steps in every single module for you so that you are really doing the work. And you're going to discover a lot about yourself through doing this. It's really amazing what happens when we invest in ourselves and show up for ourselves. It's a way of communicating to ourselves that we love ourselves and that we believe in ourselves. So if you're ready to look into this and you're ready to take the next step and really step into the next version of yourself and align with that highest version of yourself, this might be just the thing for you. So you can go to HelenDenham.com to check that out and you'll see a link for the course and let me know if you have any questions, but thank you so much for listening and back to our conversation. You're sparking like so much joy in me right now. I'm like, yes, Andrea. Yes. Because what I'm really <laughs> like picking up on here is, is to trust ourselves. And uh, what I've learned too, is like, I've always seen faces in trees, like always. And I've always wanted to build fairy houses and I was, you know, I was always like, why am I seeing such specific faces? And then I took a plant medicine journey and it was like, whoa, like I am super in tune with the druids and the trees. So then I go down and look at my druid heritage. So yeah, I think it's so true. It's like, trust what you're seeing. And, and I think in our reading too, you were telling me, Helen, like really tap into your joy and your pleasure. And I'm really looking for that and intentionally creating that. And of course, the trees that we have in my front yard are full of hummingbirds, like the, the token of joy. So it's like when you, when you set the intention to see it and to open up to these messages, they're everywhere. And it gets really fun. And, uh, and even asking for your guides to make themselves known. Like I remember, and, and again, paying attention to what you're already seeing and what you're curious about. Um, I've been so curious about learning more about our Native American brothers and sisters. And as I travel, I, I research whose land I'm on. And yeah. uh, one of my guides came in as a, a Native American chief, and it just made so much sense. So just little examples like that for people to follow their callings and, and what they're curious about, because it, it leads to something bigger always, doesn't yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really does. And you know, it's interesting you bring up the, um, the, you know, whose, whose land are you on? Like where, where have we settled? Because part of the come to Jesus, as it were, that we're all experiencing individually and collectively is that we have, especially for people who live in the United States, we have erased this profoundly painful history 
-hmm. going back generations and generations and generations. And um, there are just so many ways that we that we really need to lean back into what every indigenous culture always understood, which is that sense of stewardship, that is that sense of respect, that is that that forward thinking of what am I doing now and how is it going to affect my grandchildren and their children instead of what we've sort of grown into, which is this very myopic, very limited, wildly short-sighted way of relating to the world. And, and, and it is really powerful to start to engage with, with the earth and learn the history and start to really consciously ask for forgiveness and to start to heal, right? Like we're here, but what can we do to make it so that moving forward, we are including everyone in conversations and making sure to really respect the like deep, deep heritage that already existed before we came to this place and essentially completely forgot that what we were supposed to be doing was living in harmony with each other and with the world. And that from even from um from like an economic perspective, you know, if you listen to a lot of it, not, there are economists who will say that the way that we relate to things for a short-term monetary gain is wildly fiscal. It's just not responsible from a long game, especially from like an environmental perspective, like what it is that we have done. It, it's not, it's not working. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We've just been trained to think of ourselves as so hyper individual, which feeds into just our obsession for achievement and success. But it's so, it's so short lived. And uh, it just sounds to me like what you're really bringing in is unity consciousness and remembering that we're part of this much bigger ecosystem. And uh, yeah, I think that's a big lesson that I am really integrating as well. I've, I've, come into this beautiful home where the, the mission of the house is really to restore and regenerate the deserted lands around us. Um, so I've just been learning and watching them, you know, teach and I've been learning so much. I've been a student here, but, you know, seeing people grow gardens in the suburbs to feed, you know, 50 families in the surrounding area. There's just something that shifts like on a biological level when you see people behaving like that. It's like, wow, like we really, we need each other. And sometimes we forget that we are so hyper-connected and we need that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting too, because like you talking about living in a collective and like working together as a group to be able to craft something. Like one of the things that I did last year a lot was after, you know, everything happened and things were shifting. What, as I would walk around the neighborhood that I lived in at the time, I would assess you know i'd be like okay like if you know if the real issue hits the fan like those people have enough room to grow things like yeah. you know there like there was this way that like i've always been very aware that even if all of the comforts that we've ever known disappeared overnight if we could simply shift our perspective and work with each other there's nothing that we cannot solve and there is um i think it's an old african proverb it's about um i don't know if proverb is the right word but um yeah. a tale about hell 
And it has always really deeply felt like one of the most accurate things I've ever heard, which is that you're in, there are a lot, a bunch of people in hell and there's food, but the spoons are too long for people to be able to feed themselves with. You see where this is going, right? Right. So the punchline is that if they would simply feed each other, that they would be fine, except that all of them are so stuck in this narrative. And I feel like that relates to, you know, that's on the same like line in my mind of the Plato's cave analogy, right? You're like trapped in this cave and it turns out that like the shadow is actually you and you're the knucklehead who's causing all of the problems. <laughs> and I feel like that also for most people and for myself too, you know, it's been like a huge, I have had to have huge reckonings, especially in the past year and a half. Like my life basically went so low, so dramatically and it had to because one of my biggest things that I incarnated to do was to show people what was possible. Um, and in 2018, I had a back surgery. Um, I, in 2019, I lost the last job that I had and I was on short-term disability for months. And then I was really looking at the bar looking down the barrel of like long-term disability and, um, and it just didn't, it wasn't working. I applied for disability. I got rejected. I got rejected. I got rejected. Like that's a whole other conversation about the way we do or do not care for people who need our help in this society. Mm -hmm. But what it did for me was that it really showed me that I needed to find a way to support myself that met my physical needs and also really helped people. And it was a huge, huge leap of faith. You know, it was a huge leap of faith for me because I just kept getting told over and over again that no matter how crazy things looked, that it was the time, like I woke up in March of last year, I think it was like March 13th or 14th of last year. And Helen, I literally was like, oh, the thing I've been training for my entire life, it's on. I was <laughs> like, what's happening? Like I could feel the energy had shifted overnight. And I was like, whoa, the Great Awakening is like officially here, you know? I yeah. felt like I had spent my entire life in Olympic level training for what was then going to roll out. And my therapist is a wonderful woman. I love her so much. Um, after I had my back surgery, I started seeing, um, I got referred to this wonderful, there's a place where I live, which is a spine center. And I was I still see a pain management therapist there, um, specialist, and she really wanted to get me seeing a therapist who could help me with pain management. And so I, um, I started seeing a therapist and then that was in, I think like 2019, I started working with her. So fast forward to last year, you know, I wake up that day in March and I feel it and you felt it. And I know a lot of us who had been basically preparing were like, oh, the, antenna, like, uh -huh. the antenna's activated. Like something yeah. felt really different. And I remember like a month or two into all of this stuff that was happening and the fear and just the like horrifying anxiety that people were feeling. Um, my therapist saying to me, she was like, you are just remarkably calm. And, and the reason I was so remarkably calm was that I had lived through so much chaos and so much trauma that when last year rolled up, I was like, 
you guys, we've got this. Like if I can live through the life that I lived through, my dad passed away abruptly from stomach cancer when I was three years old. He was only 26, Helen. And wow. they thought he had a hernia because he was so young and cancer screening was different at the time. And um, he passed away. We had a very complex, my family is wonderful, talented, fascinating, brilliant people, but there's a lot. There's a lot going on with them. There's a, there's just, it, it was not an easy path that I chose. Um, and, you know, we were in a lot of ways, we had very minimal contact with my father's family after he passed. And we eventually also essentially became estranged from my mom's family. Um, I've been in four car accidents and I laugh because like, I have almost, I've almost drowned not one time, but twice. Like there's this way, you know, I have experienced like poverty and physical health problems. And then on the other hand too, I also have this incredible amount of privilege, but be, you know, being someone who's well-educated and, you know, has intelligence and spiritual understanding, but my life was never easy. It was never easy. And it really made it so that I am able to ride waves of chaos mm -hmm. with a stillness. And like, it's almost like I am a, like surfing the waves, you know, I might not be good at surfing in 3D, but I am good at surfing the quantum waves. And so I think that's like, it was funny because my therapist was like, you are so calm and you're totally like, I had already talked about starting the business at that point. Um, about, you know, having that be an idea for me to help, help me if I was on disability, that even that would still be a way of like supporting me. And she was like, girl, you've got to do it. She was like, you have to do this. Like you possess a level of calm right now that is singular and none of my other patients are this calm. And so you're right. You do need to really help people share that because Again, it's like one of those things where I think a lot of what happened last year was that we all just got hit with this huge wave of grief. Mm -hmm. And grief is messy and it's ugly and it hurts. And it's this crazy wound of like, it's the flip side essentially of love in some ways. Mm -hmm. Because it's like this deep feeling of disconnection and loss. Um, and one of the reasons why embarking on the spiritual journey, in my opinion, is so urgently needed for all of us right now, is that if you can move into realizing that things do not ever happen to you, things always happen for and with you, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what the body that you got born into, like I had debilitating chronic pain for years. And in the past year, I've lost about 40 pounds. I still, I have a whole, what is it I call it? Like <laughs> medication meditation routine that involves a lot of things. Um, but, um, but I, and I also don't judge myself. I think that's another really important thing. Like, you know, I've had, I had a client a couple of months ago who had recently been prescribed something that I actually take for my nerve pain that was a huge lifesaver. Mm. And I, when I was younger, 
I didn't even like to take like aspirin because the other thing is I always knew that I had, I was like, why are, I learned Reiki as a young person and I was good at it, but there was this other way where like, I could always feel that this was what I was capable of. And I was like, why isn't it happening yet? You know, there was this way that, that I had to sort of sink into this like really profound level of trust. And if people can start to reframe what's happening with them and realizing that like we've all chosen whatever the stuff is that is coming up for us is stuff that we have chosen to really help us on a journey. Um, it changes everything because you start to feel it, it's like in some ways it's both super scary, but it's also the most empowering thing that you could ever do because you also realize how much room there is to explore and to really like once we can realize that things are happening for us and we can move out of that sense of like feeling so beaten down by what other people are or are not doing to or for us and realize like wow all of the things that i'm being met with are being are being laid out because they're doing something to strengthen my heart, to help me remember, to help me move into this sense of like expansion and to push, you know, me as it were you into a place of like feeling so comfortable with the mystery, right? Like, I feel like that's the, the real beauty. Yes, exactly. I, it's so powerful to hear you say this, especially as somebody who's been through so much pain and chaos and to have this perspective of just trust. Um, it's very empowering. Yeah, I think that is the most powerful realization anybody can come to is that we are not victims of life, um, you know, in that broader sense. And then life starts to prove that to you because it's now I'm at a point where it's like, if I get hit with something really hard, I go into it with curiosity now. And it's like, okay, this, I'm going to just see what this was for in a couple months or whatever. And it always reveals itself in a really beautiful, like full circle way. So it just changes the experience of being human completely. And yeah. it just puts us in a place of compassion for one another. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I have, um, I remember, you know, years ago I was talking with one of my one of my old friends and we were talking about some things that had happened to, you know, happened in my childhood and she was feeling very frustrated like I was letting certain people off the hook as it were and I was like I'm not I'm not letting them off the hook but what I am doing is realizing that there are reasons why for me to be able to do the kind of work like at that point I, you know, hadn't my mission hadn't been activated, but I knew, I always knew that I was, that I could see people in a way that other people could not. I, I a couple of months ago, I was in a clubhouse room and, um, I was reading for someone and, um, I ended up eventually as part of it was like, I was reading for this person and I kept being shown this blue butterfly that I have. And um, it's really beautiful. It's a, it's a lap, it's a silver butterfly and it has lapis embedded in it as the wings. And, um, and 
it turned out that her mom used to call her a little blue butterfly, like her little blue butterfly, you know? And so things like that happen. And so it's also really powerful because not only when people work with me are they being like totally seen, but it really validates the like spiritual feelings that they always probably had, but mm-hmm. didn't necessarily understand. And, you know, we're not taught to realize that we don't need somebody else to translate the sacred and the divine for us. You know, we're taught that we need to always like be looking for somebody else's methods. You know, somebody else's like we, you know, we need to learn, like go through these long training programs and go, you know, to have a priest or a rabbi or whomever. And I'm not, I'm not discounting that those can be really powerful ways of, of having a spiritual journey, but there is a really urgent, and I keep using the word urgent, but coming through a lot, there really is this urgent need. Like if people accomplished literally nothing else in the course of this lifetime, the moment that we are in now is a really, really big call for everyone on the planet to like figure out what their spiritual connection is. And it's a really big, it's a, it's a reckoning. It's an awakening. We have been taught, you and I talked about this a bunch. I hope it's okay for me to bring this up during your session. Mm -hmm. You know, there is this for people who possess the, the profound intellect. We, you know, I was always such a weirdo compared to other people. I brought up the college thing earlier, but even last year, like I knew when I started my business, I knew when I finally started to really talk about publicly the things I had always been doing and able to do, like I had kept a lot, it's not that my friends didn't know that I had always believed in God and had a spiritual practice, but there was something different about, you know, I like to say like starting to talk about angels and aliens publicly is a different, it's a different thing to have your, you know, super weirdo friend, me, be your one super weirdo friend than it is to have your super weirdo friend be like espousing this as a, you know, planetary sense of urgency and be talking about this stuff in public. And I lost a lot of people in the shakeup last year and it was really hard for me. And it was also very much something that I always knew was coming. Yeah. It's like a shedding. I had the same experience when I first launched this podcast and started to talk about similar things like blowups in family or just like a revealing that was so necessary. And I think eventually brought us closer, but, uh, yeah, it's necessary. And it takes courage to do that. And it's so important that we all do that. And we all tap into what our, you know, place of service is, I guess. One of the, the most helpful and healing things I took from our session too, was like, you gave me almost like a sense of permission to upgrade and up level and to not be afraid of just dreaming and expanding and being a lot bigger for fear of uh, upsetting other people. Um, and that just, I, I really like felt that in my heart and took that with me. It's like, it's okay to just like uh, intentionally up level without being afraid of uh, pushing people away. Yeah. Well, it's a strange thing because this was definitely something that was a pattern that actually repeated so dramatically from an intergenerational perspective, especially on my mom's side. There is this 
there is this idea in capitalism that when someone else, when someone succeeds, that that means that like that piece of the pie no longer exists. And we are not taught that when other people succeed, that in fact, what it actually does is create more room for our own success, not less. Exactly. Um, and that is a huge, years ago, I don't know if I brought this up when we had our session, but um, Years ago, I read a study, I can't remember where it was done, but there was research done on SNAP benefits, food stamps, um, and what they realized was that for every, wherever they did this study, for every $1 of food stamps that was spent, generated $8 worth of income for that local economy. So we're told that being stingy is fiscally responsible, when in reality, it actually is not fiscally responsible, right? We've like witnessed it even with some, like there are just these ways that when you can realize that, okay, if I claim my brightest light and I don't stop um, essentially smudging it out myself because I'm afraid that other people will be scared of or reject me or like feel like their own success is, is you know out of alignment or like making them feel bad in a lot of ways which certainly happens um we're able when we can sort of move through that fear and say okay you know what yeah maybe x y or z person doesn't feel like my success is going to help them in the long term but it's like it's almost like we're like shedding weight in a way yeah. because in order for us to be able to really step into our own light one of the things we really have to own in a very deep way and i laugh because it's not easy you know i i care so much about other people i love other people i want other people to be happy i lived in a wildly codependent cycle for years and years and years especially because I'm so emotionally sensitive and I can see what people feel. And I was always trying to do things to make everybody around me feel comfortable and feel better. And that was one of the really big like aha moments as it were, as one of my former bosses would say. Um, a real aha moment for me last year was like, you know what? Everybody doesn't like this. This is not comfortable for a lot of people that I've known for a long time. And it hurt really badly. People that I felt like I had supported for years in whatever they did. I remember I sent out an email at some point last year to let people know what I was doing. And a lot of people that I had been friends with for like almost 20 years at that point, some of them never even acknowledged it. And I was like, sorry about that. I started coughing, which is actually really funny because... Um, because I was just moving something, even me acknowledging this in a public way, just like how much that really hurt, you know, how much it hurt to be like, wow, I feel like I threw so much into like, like there were some projects that people had done and things that they had worked on. And I always, even if it wasn't something that I super resonated with, I always wanted to support what the people around me were doing. And it just, it, yeah, it did not feel great, but that is also part of the, like, you know, what you were saying about launching this podcast and having to, like, 
reframe and, you know, re rework essentially your own foundation and what works for you. Right. And it's like, people are going to get triggered. And I think people need to get triggered by this work sometimes, because I remember the first episode I did was just an introduction. And I was talking about a family member's experience and my love for her. And another family member was so upset that I had praised her and um, was, you know, expressing this love because um, this person felt like it meant that I didn't love them. And it was so, it ripped my heart out because I, I don't love anybody more on this planet than my family members. So to have them, you know, it's just a scarcity mindset. And I think that's what this is all coming back to is scarcity versus abundance, that there is enough for everybody. There's an infinite amount of love and care. And uh, yeah, but that was as painful as it was. It was so important because it revealed the trigger in that uh, wonderful family member, like, oh, there's some more healing that needs to be done here. If you're still having resentment and, and anger toward this uh, subject. So yeah, it's definitely not comfortable, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. And uh, I think it will just expand our community as well to keep talking about these uncomfortable things. But yeah, 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 it's a heavy hitter to realize that when you really start to like own your truth, people that you thought were there for you are not always ready to like move forward and up level in the way that you are too. So another thing, and to go back to my to go back to my beautiful therapist, um, one of the other things that she really helped me with is she also pointed out, like as I was sorting all of that out last year and feeling all those feelings and like feeling the senses of rejection and abandonment that were like really triggering for me because that had been my entire childhood. And then it was like I started my business and then it all came up again. Um, and I lost all of these people that I had loved so much. And I, um, and what was I gonna, it's, there's, yeah, there's just this way that my therapist was so wonderful because she was like, she's been practicing for 30 years-ish longer at this point, um, but she's been practicing for about 30 years and she was like, listen, she was like, I know that this feels like a lot of it is happening because you, you've essentially come out of the spiritual closet as it were, um, but remember that people who are, I'm 42, I turned 42 a couple uh, in April, and she was like, you know, midlife crises, girl, she was like, people always, she was like, no matter whether you had come out of a spiritual closet or not, this is just a time in like the human development cycle where a lot of stuff shifts for people. People yeah. change careers, they get divorced. You know, there's that quintessential, you know, that husband goes and buys the sports car. And, and I basically did that, right? I was like, all right, like I've been suppressing my truth to make other people feel more comfortable for 40 years-ish, and I can't do that anymore because for me, it was literally killing me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was incapacitated by chronic pain for such a long time that it's almost astonishing to me at this point. And like I said, you know, I still, my biggest, my biggest journey personally is to really take that spiritual gift that I have that has always been with me, that I have always deeply, so deeply been connected to God directly and remembered that is 
the the physical stuff for me, the 3D stuff is the hard part, right? Like those are my lessons is feeling comfortable and safe and and feeling like I'm actually like part of this reality because because of my spiritual gifts, I can, you know, I could never leave my house again and I could go on vacation in my mind and feel like what, you know, feel what it feels like to be in Hawaii. And like Helen, I was, I was saying this to my brother the other day. Um, at some point last spring, I was given, I think it was in the spring, I was given a set of hand weights by a friend of mine who was moving across the country. And they were like two pounds. And I was like, literally like one of those, like, like a punchline in a movie or like a before ad where I could barely pick up the two pound weight because of, you know, my body had totally atrophied and I had really bad nerve pain and grip strength issues. And so I would like lift this two pound weight, you know, like three times. And then I'd be like, okay, like that was a lot. And so I think the other really powerful thing, like for me that I was always really told is, I had to get that high drama and then also accelerate and like heal in such a quick, fast, dramatic way so I could show everybody that is on this planet what is actually possible. Yes. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Like your pain is your purpose in a way. I love that little little slogan there. I guess the last question I wanted to ask you and, and talk with you about is on a different topic, kind of Akashic records and how we can perceive like what Akashic records are? Because I know, I think a lot of us are just familiar with this, but can you explain and help us understand what Akashic records are? Like, what are you referring to when you talk about that? Yeah, um, the Akashic records are the living library. They are, Earth herself is a living library. And the Akashic records are, are it's, it's like the most thorough intergalactic encyclopedia and memory bank of everything that has ever happened and everything that will ever happen. So people who are claircognizant, who know things about themselves and the world, in my opinion, everyone who's claircognizant, who holds that particular spiritual gift, has always, whether they framed it this way or not, been deeply tapped into the Akasha, because that's where you pull the information from that you're like, how did I know that? The Akasha is just this really beautiful record-keeping system, and it stores all of our past lives and all of our experiences. And what's really amazing about tapping into them, um, whether people, you know, there are all kinds of different ways at this point that people can learn how to read the Akasha. You know, lots of people have courses and books and things on it, but, um, but I feel like what it really does for people and what is maybe the most powerful way that we can move through it is that because it's such a powerful record keeper for all of us, when you start to take that deep spiritual dive and you start to do especially the work to heal your own trauma and to realize that you know we really do need to move back to those moments and the times when we didn't process our feelings in the way that we might have you know i like to say like do you want to feel something 
in the moment or do you want to have to feel it forever? Because the thing is, if you don't feel it, then you carry it around like a bag of emotional rocks for the rest of your life. And the beauty, especially with the Akasha, like if people can realize that we have this really brilliant, beautiful history that is surrounding us always that we can tap into, that our guides and all, you know, we're able to move through this space, you can work with the Akasha and you can go back into those moments where you had the horrible trauma, right? Because no matter what someone's life looks like on this planet to anybody else, whether someone is rich and beautiful and quote unquote perfect, being in a human body, my grandmother used to say that growing old was not for the faint of heart. And I always used to laugh and say to her, like, being human is not for the faint of heart, right. you know? Like, this is, and so I think, like, the Akasha, because it stores all of that, it, it, it creates a thing where you start to realize in a lot of ways that time is irrelevant because when you meet yourself in that space, you can really go deep and say like, all right, this thing happened to me when I was a kid. Ooh, this thing happened to me in a past life. This thing happened to me in an inter, you know, there were like all of these ways that people start to really like see the patterns and you can go in and you can really heal in a profoundly deep way by moving through and starting to understand your own Akashic records. And so it's a super, super, super powerful um, way of starting to relate to the world. And those sessions that I do with people, um, the one that I did with you is called what an Akashic soul exploration session, I think is what I call them. And it really does like it enables me as a person who works with people to very quickly give words to like how I know all of what I know about people. And it's because I have always been able to read them in a really big way. Yeah, it's like shifting our perspective out of this linear timeline to like understanding ourselves as quantum beings, it sounds like. And, and when you access the quantum realm, you can pull in all of this beautiful information. Yeah. Love that. Thank yeah. you. That's so clarifying. Oh, thank you. Andrea, how can people work with you and connect with you? Um, I have a bunch of really amazing people can do the the best place to start is with um, with that akashic soul exploration session. Um, most people who do those with me want to continue working with me just because it is you know it 's a really dynamic new way of experiencing the world and one thing that I do I have um, what I call celestial mentorship, which is one on one coaching for six months, and then I also just launched um, with my friend Elise Bassine, who I mentioned at the beginning, um, we just launched a joint container, which is called Celestial Acceleration. So you get the Celestial Mentorship from me, you get the work that she does, and so that, we just publicly announced that yesterday, and I am so excited. But to start, um, I encourage everybody to go to my website. We are here to remember.com and um, you can sign up for my mailing list. I do a weekly newsletter that I just really got in the groove of doing. It comes out on Tuesday. And when you go to my site, you will have the opportunity when you sign up for the mailing list, my freebie is um, a sound healing for weight loss. And I know a lot weight loss, especially for Women is a real hot button topic, but it's not just the physical 
it's that emotional bag of rocks. So even if people don't like quote unquote need to or want to like lose physical weight, it's powerful and it is truly for everyone because we have got to learn how to manage our own emotions in a much bigger, deeper way. And, um, and that is, it's a sound healing. I, um, I use crystal bowls and I do channeled singing and, um, and meditation, guided meditation. And so it's like a really fun kind of short version of what I do in a longer session that you got to experience. Um, so yeah, those are, those are the big ways. Awesome. I really loved your sound healing. Like you brought out some beautiful bowls and it's just like, Oh, there's something about, you know, tapping into that frequency and hearing those tones that like affects your whole body. I love it. So yeah, yeah, it really does. Yes. We're here to remember the number two, right? The number two. Yep. Uh, Helen, thank you so much. I know that I said this to you before, but, um, I just feel so honored to be able to to have talked with you and to have been able to do that session with you because you have you are so remarkable and you are so thoughtful and you are just such a treasure and a gift and I I could also t- I could talk to you for like 20 more hours. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's been such a gift, Andrea, and I just really like this reminds me why people are brought into each other. All right, you guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Again, you can check in every Wednesday morning for new episodes and you can find Andrea on Instagram at seawitchery and weareheretoremember.com and I'm at helendenim underscore on Instagram and helendenim.com and on my website you can find links to past podcast episodes and guests, blog posts, uh, more information about the course and uh, recently I launched some really fun merch. So check out the shop too while you're over there. And uh, you know, I always love to hear from you. So if there's anyone you'd love to hear interviewed or ideas or feedback that you have for me, I really value your opinion and your thoughts. So sending so much love to you and I'll talk to you soon.